Praise the name of the Lord. It's time to dive into God's word for us today. I'm so glad that we are lovers of God and lovers of his word. Let's get our Bible and whatever device you have for the word and let's go to Colossians chapter number one. I'm going to do something I rarely do. I'm going to be expository preaching this text. I'm going to stay within the text. Of course, I will look at some supplementary texts as well, but I really believe that the Lord has a word for us. I encourage you not to miss any Sundays in February, if it's possible, at least capture the messages online as well for what God is doing. God is up to something. Amen. And he gave us his word so we could know what that is. I think you should write that down. God is up to something. But he's written his word for us to know what he is about. And the things that are not in the word, we trust God for the mysteries. That'll save you a lot of headaches right there. That God is up to something, and he's given us his word to reveal what he's up to. And the things that enter into your thoughts, your life, that you may not find in the word of God, God is saying, that's the mystery. I need you to trust me with that. And so it's hard to live in the mystery, isn't it? It really is. And so the only way to live in the mystery of God is to know God. And that's what we want to do today. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to be looking at. And today I've titled this message, When I Pray for You. When I Pray for You. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that this is good ground. We thank you that the enemy will not steal the seed because it's not planted. We thank you that the cares of this world, the anxieties of survival, will not interrupt us thriving because we know who you are. We thank you that there will be fruitfulness in our lives because of your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord God, as we look into your word, that your power be present as we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There is something about the word of God, and I alluded to it earlier, that the word of God reveals the nature of God. It reveals the the mind of God. Um, I listened to a podcast where um, there was this teaching that you don't read the Bible just for information. You read the Bible because of inspiration. You read the Bible because it's an inspired word that gives you wisdom. Someone say wisdom. It gives you wisdom. You don't just read it to comprehend things. You don't read it to prove that you're not illiterate. You read the Bible because it's the inspired word of God, and it gives you, say with me, wisdom. It gives you wisdom. And the reason why we need wisdom is because we have to realize how do we live together as God's people? How do we live together as God's people? And one of the ways that you can truly demonstrate, serve, transform people's lives is for you to make a commitment to develop a prayer life. 
I know that may sound odd, it may sound weird, but, but I'm here to tell you that the enemy is not moved by our knowledge. He's only afraid when we actually start to pray. It's biblical. He, does, he doesn't care. He can get a, a, a theologian to come in here. He can get someone with a PhD to come in here. But if we fail to pray, we fail to actually have the power of God work in our lives. And so I must confess to you that after 30 years, three decades of walking with the Lord, I've never been captured in this manner about the need for prayer like I have now. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that. I'm excited that God's mercy kept me till he got me to this point. Amen, right? Because you may think, oh, my gosh, 30 years, you're just recognizing the importance of prayer. No, his mercy kept me through all those things. But now he's giving me a revelation. And so it's vital that we get this because as we look at this church in Colossians, as we look at this particular church that Paul is writing to, Paul didn't plant this church. Paul is known as an apostle who, who gets sent. And to be part of a, of a congregation that can send people speaks of the health of that particular congregation. And so here is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church that he's never planted. He's never been there. And so he begins in verse 1 of Colossians chapter 1, and he says, Paul. He first recognizes that, that this is Paul. Then he goes in, and it's very important that you watch this because he says, an apostle of it is that Jesus Christ, an apostle of the anointed word. He says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. And what this does is lets us know that Christ isn't his last name. <laughs> that Christ represents the Messiah, the, the deliverer, the anointed one. And Jesus then is the word that became flesh. And so what he's saying here is because of what Paul is dealing with, based on what was reported to him, that false teaching was coming in and wasn't bringing the true wisdom of God that was needed to live together in harmony, but also to live together to see the power of God demonstrated in a people called by God. I'm helping anybody so far. That he's coming to this place of recognizing that leadership is vital. He's coming to this place where he recognized that I'm Paul, but an apostle of Christ Jesus. And now he goes, and this is going to be one of the main themes throughout this book, but it, 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 it's, it's very important that we, we, we get it from now. He says, by the will of God. By the will of God. He says, I'm Paul. And, and if you look at my past, you will stay stuck. But when you understand that I'm an apostle called by Christ Jesus and it's God's will, you will see my history. Because, um, and I've shared this before, but, but I, I meet on a prayer call with, the, with, with about 10 men and we meet every Saturday through Zoom and we pray. And the person who's leading this particular month uh, is this individual that the first time that I encountered him, um, he, he had a ponytail and he had tattoos. And he was up at the altar and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go to him to pray for me. <laughs> I'll be honest in this Pentecostal church. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow. And I went to him. And I'm telling you, the power of God that went throughout his life and what he prayed over my life, it literally shifted my destiny. We can't downplay the power of prayer when we understand that we're called by God's will, that it's not about your past. See, the enemy wants you to live in your past. God wants you to understand his story. I can, I can leave right after that because that will take you a year just to be able to do that because the battle you're facing is the enemy wants to bring you to your past. 
so that you can see God's history for your future. And thank God he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. See, I couldn't make that statement if Hebrews wasn't correct, that he's the same God yesterday. So he's the God of my past because his grace and mercy was there, right? But he moves me now into recognize he's the God of my present, right, which is history. And he's also the God of the future, which is my eternity, and so in this introduction, Paul really wants them to understand that the authority which I have in speaking to you is not something that was given by man. That this was given by God. And we need to live in a time where we're listening to the instructions from heaven as opposed to the instruction that comes from educated people who don't know how to put a sentence together. Come on. We need to start living and understanding that we need people who actually know God to declare to us who God is. Because when I say, when I pray for you, you must understand this. And so he begins, and then he says, and Timothy, our brother. You see, when you pray for someone, you need to have the following convictions, like the Apostle Paul. Here it is, and I quote, the Apostle Paul knew who he was. He says, I'm Paul. But I'm also an apostle called by Christ Jesus because this is God's will for my life. The number one question outside of what is my purpose, the number one question outside of that question is what is God's will for my life? Now, why is that important? Why is it important for you to know the will of God? Because Jesus says that, that depart from me, I don't know you because you can't call me Lord and not do my will. So your salvation, the totality of the depth of your relationship is connected to the will of God. That you doing the will of God is actually something that you must spend the rest of your life seeking after. You must spend the rest of your waking moment always saying, God, what is your will for my life? Let's do it together. God, what is your will for my life? Now, that's a dangerous prayer if you really mean it. That is an absolutely dangerous prayer. Because Paul is in prison when he's writing this. <laughs> he's in prison for walking out the will of God for his life. And so Paul is saying this with a deeper conviction. He says, listen, I might be in prison, but I know who, who I am. I, 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 know, I know who I belong to. He, he knows that he was set apart for something. He knows for who he was doing it for. He knows why he was doing it, and he knew who he was called to reach. The reason why Paul knew he was called to reach, he wasn't concerned with what Peter was doing. He wasn't concerned what Barnabas was doing. He says, hey, these are all people, and we're building the kingdom of God together. One may water, uh, come on, one may plant, but God gets the increase. And so the apostle Paul realized, I'm going to stay in my lane. Amen, somebody, right? Because I want to stay so focused on you, And here's the difference. Once you know what God's called you to do and who you're called to reach, now your focus is prayer. I'm no longer going to be rustling. Is this God's will? Is this God's will? No, you're going to now know I'm no longer rustling. I'm not going to get to a place of recognizing what is God's will. And so I, before I get to verse number two of the specific targeted audience that Paul was writing to, I want us to go quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 8. 
Because I want to build for us the importance of recognizing this concept of prayer and why I'm spending so much time on it. Because I don't want anyone here or listening online to think, well, what about me? How come you're not praying for me? Because I'm going to give a specific targeted audience that I'm encouraging you to be able to say, I fit within this audience. Right? And so before we get that, 1 Timothy chapter 2, if 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 you're there, it begins and says this. Because uh, Paul writes and says, Timothy, my my brother. And he says, first of all, in verse number 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be what? Made for all people. Then he goes in and he says, now let me give you the audience. He says, you need to do this for kings and all who are in high positions. Why? That we may lead a peaceable, peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. If we're not praying for our government leaders, no wonder they're doing some of the nonsense they're doing. Paul is saying that the church is the authority on all things moral. Let me say that again. Let that sink in. That we don't get our dictates from a state or from some government. We are the ones that, be, that are able to determine if that's moral or not. And so because of that, he says we need to pray. Why? So these people who have influence over us, right? Because we understand Romans 13, that they will get a conviction by the Holy Spirit. Come on. That, that they're sleeping and God is speaking to them and says, oh, you better do what's right. I'm going to take you out. Come on, somebody. I mean, I mean you, you got to understand that God has the ability that when we pray for God's will to take place in the earth, he said, if my people will pray, I can turn the hearts of kings. For I'm the one that raises up and removes them. It's God who does that. He says, this is good, and it is what? Pleasing in the sight of God, who is what? Our Savior. Here it is now, verse 4. Who desires all people to be what? Saved. So the first will that we see from God, because you're going to read about God in the Old Testament, and it's going to freak you out because you're like, that can't be God. Who wants to serve a God who brings judgment? He's saying that God's desire is that all people will be saved. Black, white, rich, poor, all ethnicities. God is saying here that the desire is that everybody will be saved. And what? Here it is now. And come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's not just saying I got my get out of hell free card. He didn't save you just to say you're not going to burn. He saved you so you can get to the knowledge of what the truth is. Get back to the garden. Oh, my God. Get back to how I designed you. I've said this over and over again. Hell was never created for us. It was created for the devil and the angels. And so when people live like they want to go there, it tells you you have no knowledge of the truth. And so when your behavior comes a certain way, it tells you now, guess what? There's something wrong with their belief. And so I don't get nervous. There is no behavior that intimidates me, right? There's no behavior that I judge in the sense of a condemning manner. Why? I know it's because they lack the knowledge of the truth. So what I do then is I guess what? I pray that God will open their hearts to the knowledge of the truth. Because the only thing the devil fears is if I pray, because if we pray, God could snatch them out of that lifestyle. 
So it keeps us busy from praying and we start programs. And what happens is, of course, they get saved, but they never turn to the knowledge of the truth. And so Paul is writing to this church now, and Paul is saying, man, I'm so glad because we're going to get to this targeted audience of which he was talking to. But he says, first, we have to pray for everybody. As a church, we pray for everybody. That's why everyone is welcome. But not everyone can have leadership. (laughs) Because leadership is influence. Oh, come on. And if you don't have knowledge of the truth, the Bible says the blind will lead the blind and we both will fall into the ditch. So we have to have, say this with me, discernment. Because people can act away. Come on. But if you don't have discernment, they'll lead you astray. And so Paul is writing. He says, this is the heart of God. So when you're talking to someone who says, I'm angry and mad at God, take them to the scripture. And say, God desires that everybody be saved. That it was never God's heart for you to separate from him. That God was always coming after you. And so what is the issue? We lack the knowledge of the truth. And church, do not debate this whatsoever. We believe in absolute truth. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other truth. There are feelings. There are maybe even facts. But there is no other truth but Jesus. Let's let's just rest there for a second. There is no other truth but Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. It's not Gandhi. As much as you want to respect the philosophy of these great people, it's not Buddha, it's not Muhammad. It's Jesus Christ is the only way. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not being mean. I'm being biblical. I'm telling you what the Bible says is the knowledge of the truth is that Jesus Christ is the only way. And Paul is right, and he's saying, first, we have to make sure that this targeted, this wide audience of all people, he's not going to narrow it down to the people that he's talking to. And the people he's talking to are those who came to this point of recognizing, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But no one told me there was more. No one told me that there was more to this lordship of Jesus Christ. They just told me if I came to an altar, if I said this prayer, that I'd be saved. And no one told me there's more for my life. Nobody told me that, guess what? Jesus wants to be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And so the issue, the issue of growth, right? That you're taking note. The issue of biblical growth is you lack knowledge. You lack knowledge. That's the issue. And so there's an area of your life where there's pain, there's trauma, there's something taking place. And please understand, God can use a counselor to bring knowledge of truth as well. So I'm not against counseling. I encourage it. But make sure you discern who that counselor is, that they're not going away from Jesus. That they're bringing to the knowledge of truth. And so therefore, what issue you face in your life, it's reflective or it's exposed an area I lack truth in. I don't have knowledge of truth in that particular area. Parenting, there's knowledge for truth on that. How to work, there's a knowledge of truth for that. How, how to find your career, there's a knowledge of truth for that. Marriage, there's a knowledge of truth for that. There is not one issue, there's not one issue, gathering place, that you will face in your life that God doesn't have a truth that goes with it. Not one area. Not one area whatsoever. And so Paul is saying that this is how effective prayer actually works. So he says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. 
Watch this now. For this I was appointed a preacher. So he's telling this Colossian uh, believers. He's saying, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Those seven verses are powerful. Those seven verses are really exposing us to recognize now that here's my question for you. Are you saved? Uh, let me ask this way. Are you saved and not ashamed to tell people you're saved? <laughs> so, come on. Every hand. If your hand's not up, I'm going to have an altar call. <laughs> now, I'm serious. We're going to do an altar call because you need to be with the body of Christ. Amen. God has a purpose for your life. Stop fighting God. Stop fighting him. Your life is not going to turn. You will lose, first of all, and your life will be miserable, and you make somebody else miserable. Don't be a Jonah. Get on somebody else's ship and ruin everything. Come on, there's many Jonas out there. Got into your life, and all of a sudden, all these things happen. In. What happened? You, you married it. You got a Jonah. You made friends with a Jonah. So tell them, call on your God, buddy. <laughs> Jonah, call on your God so this thing can stop in your life. So you're safe. Majority, I can see everybody, but majority of hands went up. Where you are invited to now is to be this specific targeted audience. You are people who want knowledge of the truth. You've shifted now. You're not just coming to warm up a pew. You literally now are saying, for the rest of my life, I want to be people who have knowledge of the truth. I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of believing a lie. I'm tired of not seeing the promises of God work in my life. I now want to be a person. I want to be an individual who sees it. And here's the answer. When I pray for you, that's exactly what I'm praying for. Let me break it down for a little bit. So the specific targeted audience is Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. And 3. To the saints, he calls them. To the, to the saints. He doesn't finish. And the faithful brothers, that could be male or female, right? To the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossians. He says, you are saints. You're not sinners. You're saints. But I sin. Yeah, but you're a saint who is dealing with the sin issue that's still present. And we hear so much preaching that focus so much on the sin issue. I don't know if I'm even a saint anymore. And because of our confusion of theology, we then keep saying this thing, you're just human. Of course, I know you're just human. But if you keep declaring that, you're going to live like that. So I'm not denying your humanity. I'm actually saying speak to your supernatural nature. That controls your humanity, right? Jesus, I mean, God said it this way. Uh, uh, Cain, um, sin is at the door and you must master it. So if you keep telling me I'm just human, I'll keep going to the door. When I hear it knocking, I let sin in. But when you tell me that I am strong in Christ Jesus, ooh, I can be able to say, I'm not opening the door to that part of my life because I have knowledge of the truth. I know it's a lie that's on the outside and you can't get access into the gates of my life. What you hear is a gate. What you see is a gateway. What you smell is a gateway. Come on. There are so many gates that we have open, and we need to make Jesus the Lord of that gate. So when sin comes, oh, there's Jesus. And when sin, oh, there's Jesus. And wherever sin wants to get, they meet Jesus. Yeah, I'm afraid of you, Jesus, so I'll take off. Because Jesus even said that the enemy couldn't find no wrong in me. So I'm not saying that we're not going to look at times of being tired and, and, and lazy and, and slothful and just a long day and our work schedule and that we're going to have to get to a place of recognizing why is this happening. That's your humanity. But speak to the spirit inside of you. 
Jesus says that the spirit is willing, but what's weak? The flesh. So why do we keep preaching to the flesh? And so we debate about behaviors while the enemy is saying, rob them and keep them ignorant of the truth. So what, we, what do we do? We, we, we didn't know how to handle people's behavior, so we dumbed down the gospel to try to relate to their behavior. I'm with you, man, so I'll just dress down so you can relate to me as a pastor. Because <laughs> if you come and you see me in a shirt and tie, you can't relate. Just say you want to wear a t-shirt and pants. Right? And so when you do that, you have to keep doing this. Because the flesh will always lower the standards, folks. The flesh will always find how to get you to go low. And so knowledge of truth makes you realize, I've got to live, understand who I am. So he begins, and he says to the saints, you've got to start recognizing who you are. You've been set apart by God for his purpose and for his plan. I was watching The Chosen. Man, it's bringing tears. It's just powerful. If you have not watched Chosen, you need to watch it. And pray for Dallas Jenkins. I mean, it's just, just the, his ability to try to articulate. And we know it's not the Bible. They're doing the best they can with talking to rabbis and different people to get the historical stuff. But when he did the Sermon on the Mount and when he brought about the fact of forgiving those who have hurt you, and I'm watching Matthew go back home, and, and he's lost. Everybody's trying to go back to, to where they need to be, and Matthew is out there, and Mary and, 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 and the other ladies are in the house, and he comes out, and Matthew's here. Matthew's like, I'm confused. This, this is chosen season three. He goes, I, I'm confused now because I left the way of a tax collector, and, and I can't go back to my parents, so I'm out here confused. I don't know the will of God for my life. And he finally builds the courage to go back home. And he walks home. And all of a sudden, because his father said to him before, I have no son. He walks now, fearful, terrified. And the words that came out of his father's mouth was, son. And it broke him. He recognized the acknowledgement of who he was. Of who he was. And if you don't recognize you've been set apart by God, that he calls you his children, you will continue to walk around confused. And become religious because you don't know where to go. Such good preaching. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Paul says, you guys are saints and you're you're faithful. And then he says, there's a grace given to you and a peace from God our Father. And he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, my title, when we pray for you. So who's the specific targeted audience that Paul is talking to? Paul is talking to believers who have been faithful but false witness, false teaching is trying to infiltrate. In other words, the culture is trying to corrupt the church. He said, I'm not going to preach to sinners. I'm not preaching to the seekers. I'm not preaching to those who don't. I'm preaching to mature believers who are fighting. Oh, come on. To keep the convictions that they know we're supposed to be living in, the knowledge of the truth. So when people ask you, why do you not do that? You don't give them a religious answer. You say, I've been set apart unto God. That's what you tell people. And so here is the key. And so the next thing now is not just a specific targeted audience. He now gives a shout out to what someone calls Big E. You need to have a Big E in your church. Come on. The Big E is the person in Colossians chapter 1 verse 7. That this is the individual. His name is 
Epiharis or, or, or E-P-A-P-H-R-A-S. Uh, and so this individual, um, he's saying here, um, Big E, he says, he's your beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Paul gives a shout out to this individual. And what I'm here to tell you is that when you get to the place of the knowledge of the truth, you then will be able to teach other people as well. That you get to a place where you recognize now that, listen, listen, I know, I know that there's areas of your life that you want to walk in victory, but you can't do it alone. That I'm going to come alongside of you, and I'm going to disciple you now, right? I'm going to disciple you into the way that you're supposed to go. Why? Because I want to be faithful, not to you. I want to be faithful to Jesus Christ, the one who calls me. And so when you recognize the call of God on your life, you will get a shout out. Listen, I, I, lo- I love when God gives shout out because the Bible says in Job that Satan came to present himself, right, before God. And God says, uh, have you considered my servant Job? A shout out to Job, the one who's faithful, the one who, who fears me, the, the one who is good. And Satan says, yeah, the only reason why he's doing this is because, guess what, you protected him. And we have to get to a place of where we must tell people our experiences, but more importantly, our victories in Jesus Christ. Because somebody is going through the same thing you're going through. Listen, you're not the only one that's going through pain. There's people going through pain. And if you have overcome your pain and you have the victory, you can't allow pride to keep you back. You need to let people know. Come on. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God delivered me from porn. God delivered me from this. God delivered me from that, from payments. God delivered me. I wish we get to a place where we keep giving shout outs to God because God is the one who's delivering us. Amen. That God's the one that's setting you free. God is the one that's healing you. God is the one that is giving you purpose for your life. It's what we call a shout out. And so Paul begins and says, okay, here's a specific targeted audience. These are believers. These are faithful believers who are fighting the culture's influence to try to come and corrupt what they're doing. That's every single one of you. That you have to get to a place where you realize that there's a target on my back because the enemy doesn't like what God is doing in my life. You wonder why we stop praying? One of the main reasons, because the pressure gets intense and we stop. We're about to get to our breakthrough and the enemy goes, I, I dare you try to go through that and see what happens. And we get intimidated by the enemy. The enemy is a liar. And if he's bringing pressure into your life, that means there's a breakthrough coming. Unfortunately, the people who are doing nothing for the kingdom, he leaves them alone. Because they are, he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. So he has to pick his target. He has to pick them well. And so Paul gives a shout out and he says, this is the person who's with me who's telling me about you guys. Because in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, he begins, he tells them that, that he's here in prison with me. But, but he's offered a positive report regarding those that are back in your city. See, see I love this because here is the deal. And this is the main part of my message. This is, this is really the part I want us to get. Because this is a shift. Someone say shift. This is a shift in my thinking. I began in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I said, pray for everybody. So what I'm about to say, I'm not saying you can't get people's prayer requests. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I think I've done a sufficient job of telling you we pray for everybody because the first and most important goal of praying for people is that they get saved. Not a Cadillac. They get saved. And then the Cadillac. You know what I mean? But they get saved first because you can't handle the wealth of the Cadillac if you're not saved. 
So prosperity gospel, folks, is a lie from the enemy. There's nothing wrong with the prosperity gospel. The issue is greed. It's greed. Because if you're greedy, I'll give you $10 and you'll, you'll corrupt it, let alone a million dollars. So the prosperity gospel, the issue is this, is that they haven't taught the people the knowledge of the truth. That what they see is they saw an image of prosperity as opposed to understanding what prosperity is. And so they see the house and they say, I want the house, but they haven't done the discipline work to know the knowledge of the truth. So because we're only humans, we lead over to this side and we say, what you guys are doing are wrong. But we have celebrities, right, that you drive by their home and you, you look at their house. Oh, what? It's because they play basketball. So you justify their prosperity because you think they do something that's worthy of it. As to recognizing you are a child of God. Heaven, there's gold, I'm told. Like you serve the God who owns everything. Ooh, let that sink in right there. Because his, some of you, God wants to make you so prosperous that you can fund the gospel of the kingdom and the enemy knows it. Come on. And so he keeps you confused about prosperity and he doesn't recognize it's about greed. Just don't be greedy. That's you coveting other people. Don't cover what those guys have. You don't know what kind of relationship they have. You don't know what kind of marriage they have. You have no idea. Stop coveting stuff. And get in covenant with Jesus. That frees somebody right there. So please understand what I'm sharing with you is not that you don't ask for prayer requests, but we have so limited prayer to just that. Hey, can I pray for you? And the first thing out of our mouth is our long list of what we want God to do. And we want to be nice. And so we pray and we endorse your request that may even be evil. But you put religious words to it. So it sounds good. And Paul says, that's not how I roll. That's not how you pray. If you understand Luke 11 and Matthew 6 about the prayer, you would recognize that the prayer wasn't for request. The prayer was something for something specific. He got to the place, give us this day our daily bread, after he said a bunch of other stuff. So I taught you the sixth reason I pray more never dealt with needs. That was the last thing. The first thing of the reason why I pray more is because God loves me. And because God loves me, the first thing I'll do is love you. Not be nice, but be kind. Why? Because I love you. And if I love you, then I'm going to learn how to pray the way that God wants me to pray so your prayers get answered. So it's no longer, write this down, it's no longer your requests. Write it down. It's no longer your prayer requests. It's about the reason why I pray. (laughs) It's no longer the prayer request. That's coming. But what I'm after now, TGP, what we're after now is this. The reason why I pray for you. Your request is coming. Hear me now. Your request is coming. But it's the reason why I pray for you. And so we see this now as the Apostle Paul is going because here is the truth. Here it is. The reasons I pray for you are stronger than the requests you make. If your request was stronger than my reason, I would go to God for your request. But the reasons, according to the word of God, why I pray for you is stronger than any prayer request you can have. Anyone whatsoever. Because the goal was this. For example, right? Uh, 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 the, the, the man who had his daughter who was dying, uh, the 12-year-old who was dying, and they go to Jesus. He says, Jesus, can you come and heal? Uh, can you come heal my, 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 my daughter? And, and Jesus, she, she, you know, she's, she's close to, to death and everything like that. And Jesus is walking. And Jesus says this. Watch this now. That's not what moved me. It wasn't the prayer request that moved me. It's the reason why I moved towards that. 
And the reason why he moved towards that is because Jesus says, I only do what my father tells me to do. So before I get to your house, I've got to check with the reason. Is it your will, Father? Now, I know that creates a mystery. Why wouldn't God want this person healed? Of course he does. But what he wants you to understand, more important, is the reason. Someone say reason. you got to get this. Come on. This is so important. Because many of our conversations, our communications, the reason why they, fail, that they fall flat is we don't understand the reason behind it. And so Paul is saying now that I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm going to pray for you. When he goes and he breaks it down and he says this. He says, watch this now. The requests we make is based on the following thinking pattern. Here's why we do it. Because in Matthew 6, Jesus says, the Father already knows what you need. Is that true? No, remember. The Father knows what you need. In, in Matthew chapter 6, he says that. He says, go in the closet or go in a secret place, and your Father who knows what you need will answer those things. So because God knows what we need, here is the deception. Here is the thinking that happens. This is so good. Since God knows what I need, then prayer has to be mostly about requesting what I want. If he already knows my needs, I'm going to tell God what I want then. And so God's needs and our wants are competing with each other. And so the reason why you need to know this is because we go to God and we say, God, um, um, I know you love me and I know I'm your saint. So this is good for me. So do it. That's the faulty thinking. And so the Colossians, they were having this false thinking that was coming in. And what it was doing was trying to move away from Christ being the preeminence. And it was saying now that go to God for your wants. But remember I said that we have to understand that our nature and as God is continue to transform our nature is this. We have to recognize the motives of why we ask for something. James says it plainly. The reason why you don't have it is because you ask of it so you can take it to your own lust. You don't want this really because it honors God. You want it because it makes you feel good. You want this because that's what you want. And so he's saying it is a faulty way of thinking. And so the Apostle Paul is saying to this, he says, what is your prayer request? He says, no, I'm not asking for your list. What he's saying now is my time is too valuable. I'm about to die. I'm about to depart. So I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to give you the reasons from the report from Big E of why I'm going to be praying for you. And he gives us this and we're going to end with this. Here are the reasons why. Here's the reason why. Paul said, I'm praying for you with confidence. Number one. Someone say number one. He says, since I heard of your faith. Colossians chapter one, verse four. Not of your need, I heard about your faith. And so he writes and he says, and he begins this. He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul responded, or, or Paul continues to explain in verses 15 to 18 of this chapter, the significance of the statement of faith in Jesus Christ, both for, for both salvation and for stability as a saint. So in other words, your faith is not just for your salvation. Your faith is for your stability to walk as a witness in this world. Are you following me so far? So there are people you're saved, but you're unstable. And so the enemy said this to Peter. And this is Jesus now. Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you. How rude. That's been asked permission. Just rude. Just absolutely just rude. Satan has demanded to have you. Satan. 
arch enemy has made a demand to have you. And here's what Jesus says. I prayed for you. For what? So your faith won't fail. Ooh, come on, somebody. You can have lots of things that can be taken from you, but the one thing the enemy is after is your faith. Oh, my God. He doesn't care if you have a million dollars. Lose faith, and it becomes an idol. He doesn't care how beautiful your wife is. Lose faith, and she becomes that. I don't care how many kids he blesses you with. You make them the idol because faith has been removed from you. He says, the first thing I heard about your faith, he says, you are battling well. Oh, my God. That you take a licking, but you keep on ticking. Come on, somebody. The more they afflict you, the more you multiply. The more the devil tries to mess with you. You say, devil, what? Oh, you're going to go there? I'm going to stay strong in my faith. Why? Because Jesus prayed for me. And he ever lives interceding for me. So whatever that promise that God has for you, you need to turn your face towards it. And you need to have this mice. I'm digging my heels in. And I'm going after the promises of God. Why? Because there's one who's praying for me. Not my church. Christ is praying for me. And if the church that I belong to comes in agreement with Jesus, I have reason to keep my faith going. Ooh, that's so good. My God, the first thing he wants to do is take your faith. And that's why what I heard, which changed my life, was when my daughter was going off to Bible college. And, and, and the guy said this. He says, your kids need to own their faith. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? They've been living on borrowed faith. And what we have failed to do is teach this generation the faith. We taught them fun. We've given them free stuff, but we have not taught our kids how to defend the faith. And the moment they leave our home and they go off to what they want, they were like, I'm on my own now, and we've never taught them the faith. And so what happens, we ask the question, how is the faith of your children? Now, I'm not saying, oh, because you didn't teach them the Bible. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm telling you right now, pray for your children, not for a request, but pray for the reason God strengthened their faith. Let the faith that I planted in them when they were young, let that faith come on up. Come on, church. Can we start praying for their faith now? Why? Because I believe the Bible says in the book of Acts, in the last days, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's the word of God. Come on. And as long as I don't see it, I'm going to start but continue to believe in it. God, you promised my kids that they will prophesy. You promised they would walk in their purpose, their destiny. I don't see it now, but devil, you're a liar. But God is the truth and they will walk in their purpose and in their destiny. You walk with the people. Can you pray for me? The first thing is, how's your faith? Because why am I coming to agreement with something you have no faith for? Oh, so I got to go back. So get a promise from God in his word and build your most holy faith by speaking in tongues in the spirit of God. Speaking in tongues is not some weird things that we do because we're Pentecostal. When you pray in tongues, you are building your faith. Why? Because the devil is after your faith. And so Jesus says, I pray that your faith will not fail. So there are times when the pain is so strong. I've got to get to a heavenly language and I got to say, Jesus, I can't find English for this. Or Jamaican. Or Canadian. Ooh, that's so good right there. Come on. And so you're beside somebody, and they start speaking in tongues. You're like, whoa, no, join them, because they're saying right now, I'm going through a battle, and I need you to help me pray. Since we heard of your faith. I'm like, God, that's the key. He says, yes. 
Because in Colossians 1, verse 15 to 18, he is the, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. Come on. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So I don't keep it together. God holds it together. There are days where I feel like I'm about to lose my mind, anxiety coming up on me. And I say, God, I can't keep it together. He goes, I know you can. That's why I hold it together. Woo, that's a good place to give God praise. Hold it together. Hold it together. It's just a herd of your faith. And he says all that as we turn the corner now is number one. When you're praying for somebody, ask him this. How is your faith? When you witness what's going on in the world, your faith is being challenged. Faith in humanity. How is your faith? How's your faith in God for what just happened? Someone's come up because of some trauma that happened to them. The first thing is not how can I pray for your feelings? How can I pray for your faith? I can't do anything about your feelings. I can't do anything about your feelings. And if I go to your feelings, I'll miss it because I'm not you. I haven't walked in your shoes. There's no way I can fully understand what you're going through. I didn't want to make something up. I know how you feel. No. Even if the same event happened to two individuals, you both receive it differently. So I can't speak to your feelings anymore. I acknowledge them. I have sympathy. I have compassion. But that's not helping you. What you need to know is how is your faith? I doubt God now. Now we can talk. Because what am I praying for if you're doubting God? Finally, someone said, thank you for being kind and not being nice. Thank you for really stepping into the area that I'm really feeling, which is my faith. I can't deal with the facts. Yes, I want justice. Yes, I want this to happen. I can't deal with those things. But what I'm telling you right now is let's go after your faith. A breakup. Uh, uh, something that, that fell apart. And the fact is you have your side and they have their side. <laughs> Of how they feel about it and how they see it. And so the issue is this. God is like, I want to answer prayer, bro, but they have to be more specific. They got to get to the reason, and that is the faith issue. Is Christ really over everything in your life? Is Christ really holding you together? Well, I want him to. Okay, so let's pray about that. And so when you begin, I'm telling you, this will change your relationships, right? And I'm telling you, right, this will change your relationship because now you're not going after the request. You're saying, what's the reason? Man, my faith is being challenged. So every request is a faith issue <laughs> because the just shall live by faith. Because guess what? I'll be honest with you. A lot of my requests are based on fear. A lot of my requests are based on fear of what's going to happen. It's not based on faith, what God can do. It's based on fear, what's going to happen. Why? Because there's a memory. There is something that just happened. It was real. Earlier, I talked about this language of pain that we're going through. And the pain is going after your faith. That's what's going after, your faith. It's going after your faith. Excuse me, your, your faith. And so Paul writes, and he says the first thing is this, is, is your faith. The second thing is this, um, before Richie gets up here and starts to play me down. Um, is, is this, um, he goes on and says, not only is the hurt of your faith, the love that you have 
for all the saints. When your faith is being challenged, it affects the ability for you to love the saints. When someone's wounded, and I've heard this over and over again, hurt people hurt people. And they don't even mean to do it. Majority of people don't mean to do that. But when my faith is being challenged, my love for you gets challenged as well. And Paul is saying, I've, I've, I've noticed, I, I got the report from Big E. And he's saying, man, your faith is amazing. Big E explained to me what you're doing. He said, but what I also want to let you know is your love for the saints is intact. I, I love this part because what he's saying is that Jesus commanded him in John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So can I, can I wrap all this together? So the six reasons I pray more is, number one, because God loves me. And because God loves me now, I understand how, the faith, how faith works. And so now I love you. Because when he says um, you need to uh, forgive the one that hurts you, what? You have to have a faith that's so rooted that he holds it together. Come on. That you can actually walk into that and say, I forgive you. And I'm not doing it because of my feelings. My feelings right now have nothing to do with it because I don't feel like even saying these words. So what power do you have? Well, when I look at the facts of what happened, the enemy wants me to look to my story and justify that I'm right. But I've reached a faith level where I recognize that as I've been forgiven by God, who knew no sin, who am I not to forgive you of what you did to me? Oh. See, faith took me there because my feeling wanted to cut you. The facts, I wanted to slash your tires. Come on. The facts, I didn't want to come to the church. I think we can give everybody a church, a shirt, hurt by church. Everyone. What's your size? <laughs> There's not one person in this place under my voice and watching online that can't wear the shirt. Hurt by church. Ooh, that's so good. So good. And what we do is we put clothing over it, but we still have the T-shirt on. And so what he's saying is that you need faith to be able to walk to somebody and to say, I forgive you. And the only reason why I can even say that is because someone's praying for me that my faith won't fail. And because of that, I can now love the saints. And when the world sees what true love is, ooh, come on, every perversion, Ooh, come on, somebody. Oh, let me say it. Every perversion, according to the word of God, that the power of God would wash it clean. Here's the image I have. You have a bunch of people saying, I've never been loved before. No one believes in me. I've never experienced faith. And they're now coming in. And God's like, I'm drawing them to you because you're praying. And I'm drawing the outcast to hurt everybody who's experienced pain. And I'm bringing them to you. And God is saying, if you stay prayer, prayerful, the power of God will meet them. And the power of God will sweep through them. That when you look back, you see them pure as how God sees them because you prayed. We're coming into church and we're joining the, 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 the pity party. <laughs> Here's a section for this, your section for this, your section for this. 
and there's no change, there's no power. This is a message to encourage us that Paul is saying here that it's possible to get to a place of where your faith is being talked about and you have a love for the saints that is amazing that people want to follow. This is how you build the church. This is how you do it. You love people because Jesus says this, that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And Paul is realizing, oh my gosh, this church is loving people like Jesus says to love them. We're going to end with this. John 15, if we can go to John chapter 15, verse 16, 17. This is where request and reason comes together. I've given you two. First one was what? I heard of your faith. The second one was what? Your love for the saints. I took all this time to get us to this particular place right here. And this is what we need to understand, to recognize. John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. We can get on the screen and then I'm done. You did not, what? Choose me. You didn't choose me. Even the love you have for God is because he first loved you. You didn't, you, you didn't choose me. I got said, no, no, no. God drew you. And your faith responded to Christ. And you said the prayer of salvation as a sinner. He chose you. He set you apart. Don't let anyone diminish your value. God chose you. He goes on and says, and I appointed you that you should do what? Go and bear fruit and that your fruit should what? Abide or the word remains. And here's the key. Here's the reason. And now he goes, so you can have a request. He goes, the reason why I want you to go do this is because, because I chose you and I told you go and bear fruit. He gives the reason. He begins and says, hey, this is my commandment. Love one another, right? But you got to get out of this room. You can't just do it in these four walls. You actually have to get out of your seat. And you have to go out in the community. You got to love people. Come on, church. You got to scatter. You actually have to go out there and love people and demonstrate your faith. So the person that hurt you, you need to go. And you need to love them. And he goes on and he says this. Um, so that whatever you want... Oh, come on. Oof. Whatever you ask. Who? The Father. In whose name? In my name. He, uh, depending on how he feels about it, will give it to you. Is that what the Bible says? That he may what? Give it to you. These things I command you so you will love one another. When people come to you and say, pray for me, you say, absolutely, I'll pray for you. But the first thing is, let's look at the reason why I'm going to pray for you. And you're going to say, let me tell you about my faith. Okay. And let me tell you about my love. Okay. So now you recognize now you're bearing fruit that Jesus talked about. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Now he says, make your request known. Tell God what you want. It's in my name and I can say, I approve. And the God who answers prayer will be answering our prayer. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. It took much longer than I 
wanted to, but I think I took as much time as was required. From this day forward, the two qualities that we need to see, that you need to see, How's your faith? Let's begin there. How's your faith? And since COVID, how's your faith? Since, since all this stuff, how is your faith in humanity? More importantly, how's your faith in Christ? Are you still believing God for the dreams that he put inside of you? Are you still believing God that he can meet your need? How is your faith? That when God moves, when God brings about a change, when God brings about a transition, how will your faith stand? How is your faith? The second question, how is your love language? How's your faith? How's your faith? Because where God is taking you, your faith needs to know that he holds it all together. That's for somebody right here. What God is going to do in your life, you need to know that he holds it together. That where he's about to take you might be rough. It might be to the unknown, but you need to know that he holds it together. That he holds it together. Where is your faith? So this is the, this is the altar call. This is the altar call. And you can be where you're seated, but this is the altar call. Earlier I said, are you saved? And the majority of the hands all went up. And I still want to offer the, the gift of salvation is still there if, if you need to. To say, Jesus, I need, I need, I need to, give, I need to give my heart to you. I need to, I need to be saved. Um, but this message is moving to a place of stability. I hear that in my spirit—a place of stability, of knowledge of the truth that God is saying, "I have great things in store for you, but I've got to shore up your faith. I got to make sure your love is intact." That's the prayer. That that is what He's asking of you today. Is how is your stability in Christ? If there's any area where you would say, Pastor Rowe, I'm not real stable in that area. Let's get a hold of God's word and let's get that area stable and build your faith. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? 
Amen. Go ahead and sing with you. And this is our anthem. This is our launch. Come on. It's about stability. God wants you to be stable in 2023. God wants you to know he holds it together. He holds it together. He has great things in store for him. I want to know you, Lord. I surrender. I surrender. Yes. Yes. I surrender. I want to So Jesus, thank you for what you're doing, bringing stability to my body. You're bringing stability to my mind, and you're teaching me how to live by my spirit. Let this be the the launch prayer for you right now. I prophesy over you, whoever wants to receive this, receive this. But I prophesy over you this morning, on this day of February. I prophesy this over you on this 12th day of February. That I will live by my spirit from this day forward. Ooh, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's almost 12, but I want want, want to release this for somebody. I will live by my spirit, acknowledging my feelings, knowing the facts, but I will live by my spirit because I'm a stable saint. I won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I will be stable in my walk with the Lord. Oh, that's for somebody right there. That's for somebody right there. Please, my, my last talk, with, every, with every eyes closed, every head bowed. Um, if that's you, if you receive that word that I'm going to live by my spirit. Because yeah. the only way I can actually, my faith can be spoken of and I can love the saint. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands up. Whatever head body, every eyes closed. There it is. There it is. There it is. Listen. Listen. This is a good, this is a good word. This is a word from God right now. You are needed. There is a world. There is a culture. There is a shift taking place. And what God is doing, he's raising up stable saints who are going to live by their spirit. Oh, God. Now, get ready to see miracles flow through your hands. Get ready to see miracles happen. Get ready to see you lay your hands on the sick and they recover. Get ready to see things that God is doing that's bringing stability. Come on, in the name of Jesus, we worship you, God, and we thank you for stable saints. We thank you, Lord God, from this day forward, from this day forward, I will live by my spirits. I will live by my spirit. I'll live by my spirit. So, Father, bless us as we go from this place, but never from your presence. I pray this week that we will hear the report of your people living by faith and demonstrating the love for the saints. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. 
and amen. God bless you all. Have an amazing day. And remember this week, live by your spirit and remain stable as believers in Christ. Thank you.